Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to Midi the Podcast, a modern day podcast designed to answer all of your weird and wonderful pregnancy and postpartum questions. I'm your host, Monique Maitland, qualified midwife and nurse, founder of the Midi Society, and someone who is about to become your personal in pocket midwife and virtual best friend. The Midi Society is a community-based platform where we interview leading healthcare professionals, new mamas and everyday people who share with us their experiences and reveal what they wish they knew before becoming a parent. So buckle up for this crazy and exciting ride. I'll be talking all things tits, bits, spew and poo. Alright, let's get started. In today's episode, I speak with Claire Falconer all about her life on the road, living out of a caravan with her young family. Claire is a certified women's hormone coach, pre and postnatal PT and yoga teacher, but has always had a taste for adventure. So Claire and her husband decided to switch the modern lifestyle and instead travel around Australia in a caravan. Claire is currently 33 weeks pregnant and shares with us her previous birthing experience, including a positive induction and how she is navigating this pregnancy on the road. Claire highlights how powerful a woman's body is and how she has full trust in her own body to grow, nourish and birth her baby. Claire also offers her tips and tricks for travelling with a young family. Please welcome Claire. Hello everyone and welcome back to Midi the Podcast. Today I have the lovely Claire Falconer. So Claire, can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? So my name's Claire, as you just said, um, (laughs) and I... I'm living in a caravan, traveling around Australia at the moment. I am a personal trainer, yoga teacher, pre and postnatal, um, and I am a hormonal coach. So, yeah, that's what I do. And I'm traveling with my baby. Well, he's not a baby anymore. He's two. <laughs> two, my two-year-old and my husband, and I'm currently 32 weeks pregnant. It's Amazing. And honestly, I was like so excited to have you on today to pick your brain about all the pregnant, like your pregnancy with Bo, who's now yeah two and your current pregnancy and just talk about how you get through your day to day life and traveling Australia whilst pregnant. It's going to be a very, very cool and exciting episode, I think. So first of all, Claire, do you mind taking us back to your first pregnancy with Bo and sharing a little bit about that? Like what did you do in terms of your model of care? Did you go through the hospital system, for example? Yeah. So we were traveling Australia. So it was the height of the COVID um, at that time. So it was 2020. um, Mm -hmm. And I had just unfortunately had two miscarriages prior to conceiving Bo. So we we were building a van and then so I went, we hit the road, not pregnant, um, mm. and we were just traveling, you know, Australia and in the Whit Sundays, we were on a boat selling, sailing the Whit Sundays as you do when I took my pregnancy test and found out that I was pregnant, um, which was awesome. Um, but yeah, I was in the Whit Sundays, we were remote. So I was like, okay, I'm pregnant. Sweet. What next? <laughs> so yeah. model of care was a little bit like, disjointed because I was on the road um Mm. but so we just sort of I got a GP um just to liaise with me and being COVID it kind of worked well because everything was on telehealth anyway so Mm. I just got a GP to liaise with me um and 
yeah, they just sent me blood forms. They sent me uh, ultrasound forms. So whilst I was on the road, I was like, I got my first ultrasound in like Poundsville or something. Then I got my other one somewhere else. Like it was just where, where I was was where I got the ultrasound and they would just send them back to the doctor and be like, yeah, yeah everything's going sweet. Um, but then when I was about tw- at my 12 week scan, they actually found a sub chronic hematoma. So, yeah. yeah. You've got it. Perfect. <laughs> um, so they found that. Um, and then that's when the doctors started to get like a little bit like, oh, maybe on the road isn't the best thing. Like maybe you should mm-hmm. travel down um, to Vic. And I was like, really, do we have to do this? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> so that's when I started, we started making our way down to Vic because um, my mom's in Vic and it just made sense to be able to stay with mm-hmm. her. Um, and yeah, so we got there when I was about, I don't know, 20, 25 weeks or so. Yeah. And mm. I wasn't on midwifery. Like midwifery care? No, I think I was on the doctor care um, because mm. of the subcoronic hematoma. They, I was like put as high Higher low. risk. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I was with doctors, um, which was okay, obviously, but I mean... <laughs> Mm. Yeah, not ideal in my world of everything. Um, yeah. The doctor's bedside manner isn't the best. I mean, I'm not saying all that for all doctors, I'm sure, but I'm sure there's fantastic doctors out there, but just in the experience that I had. Yeah. Um, but I was just happy and healthy and just just happy to go with it. Mm. So, yeah, that was it. <laughs> it's so amazing. And you know what? Given that you were on the road for the first bit of your pregnancy, this pregnancy now is probably a little bit similar um, and I can't wait to tap into that a bit later on. Um, but have you always been a traveller? It sounds like it. Yeah, so I actually moved overseas. I, I wasn't. Like as a kid, I wasn't. Um, yeah. So, you know, we were just a typical Australian family that I didn't travel until I was 18, like overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, but at 21, I moved overseas. So I moved to Dubai, um, and I lived in Dubai for 10 years and that's where I met my husband actually. Um, so we lived there for 10 years and then I just moved back to Oz at the start of 2020. And that was also part of the reason why I didn't go down. I didn't know what model of care was available. Like I felt like a foreigner in Australia, which was really interesting because you're like, Mm. you're Australian. I'm like, yeah, but. I have no idea. Like, Mm. I literally, I have no idea how things worked. I had no idea. Like, everything in Dubai is private, right? So you just pay for your private doctor. Like, home birth is illegal. Like, all Mm. this type of stuff. So you kind of, like, you you don't know what your options are. Um, Mm. Being 21, like, I didn't, that's when I left Australia. So I knew nothing about the pregnancy model. Um, So, yeah, it was really interesting trying to navigate learning that as well. Um, and trying to learn the whole Australian system again because I was just like, wow, okay, I don't know what is going on. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, Claire, like so many people actually just don't realise that there's multiple models of care and I've yeah. done a whole podcast episode on that because as a practising midwife, you know, currently when I do antenatal appointments and I book people in and I ask them the question, so what model of care were you thinking of doing? They're like, you said what? And then... I'm like, you don't even know, like so many Australians just have no idea what the models of care available to them actually are. And as you've 
probably now discovered, they're quite important. And unfortunately, sometimes you'll get put in a certain model depending on if you're low risk or high risk. Yeah. Um, But it's certainly something that definitely gets neglected for a lot of people. And then when they come into hospital and all the models of cares are put towards them, they're like, I don't care, just put me in whatever because they haven't actually done the research first. So, yeah. It's crazy, yeah. right? And that's the thing. I think being in this industry, like, and, you know, following people like yourself, I've learned so much since moving back to Australia about the Australian system. Mm. And now I feel like I proper know exactly all the options, but it has taken this long to figure it out, right? Like it's it's not yeah. easy. <laughs> no, it's not. And it's it, sometimes it can be different from state to state as well. And for someone yeah. like you from going... <laughs> between state to state you've definitely discovered that yeah exactly and that's a whole nother ball game right yeah but I I was a bit naive in that as well and sometimes when I've posted things like other midwives in other states have said we do it a bit different this is what we do and I was like wow I didn't even realize that it was like that um but then obviously your model of care wasn't how you envisioned it but how did you do much prep for the labor and birth itself with Bo? Yeah so I did loads um so it was really good like I mean luckily on that side of preparation I have like Mm. loads of information that's what I do for my job so I knew what I was doing on that side of things which was really good like um yeah moving my body correctly um breathing meditation all that we did a hypnobirth course um so that my husband would get a bit more accustomed to the birth world because he had no idea how did you find that having to sit there and listen and when you knew a bit yourself it was to be honest I I loved it because I just love everything about Mm. this world like as you do too so you're just like I love listening to it but it was interesting with him because I'm so passionate about this world and my husband is like, oh, my God, like, this is fucking boring. <laughs> yeah. um, so he's listening to it. And I'm like, he's bored. Like, what? I mean, and, and then I get offended because I'm like, you should be taking this seriously. Mm. Um, so that was a little bit of a challenge. But I will say when the day came and I went into labor, he was incredible, like beyond yeah. incredible. So even though he was dead bored in the um hypnobirthing course he took away loads and actually applied yeah. so yeah I highly recommend every couple does it especially for the husbands like initially he saw a birth video because she was showing birth videos and he's like oh whoa like you know that's intense like and mm. then once we just kept watching birth videos he was like this is amazing like he, he yeah. was honestly like completely changed his tune so I was like yeah this is good <laughs> It's so true though, like even with the classes that I teach, I'm like almost the support person gets so much more out of it because usually the women have done some sort of education before. But honestly, that's going to be like what my partner's like. He, I think because I talk babies and birth and just work (laughs) 24-7, he's like, shut up. Like, And he's all designy and graphic-y and he doesn't care, but oh, I'm going to have to do the same thing one day when it happens to me and it will be very interesting to see how he goes. I can't yes. wait. All I can say is don't get offended if they're bored in the moment because I, my husband proved me wrong and I'm like, wow. So that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we just started with a puppy this week, so baby steps. Yeah. <laughs> puppy, <laughs> babies, same, same. 
<laughs> same, same. As I was saying to you, I'm quite tired. Uh, yeah. I got the coffee in hand because the puppy, although he's freaking cute, he cried last night and I was talking to my sister and she was like, you know, as a midwife, you tell the parents like crying's the late side, like late sign of hunger, and you neglected him. And I was like, because he he did a poo in the, in the bathroom and he was crying, and I didn't get up to him. And I was like, it's so hard. I don't know. I need someone to tell me what to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I could talk about my dog this whole time. So, <laughs> um, so obviously you educated yourself and. You educated your husband. Then how did your actual pregnancy, um, sorry, not your pregnancy, your labour and birth unfold? Yeah, so um, everything went sweet. So then I got the all clear from the subcranial hematoma at the mm. 20, I think I was like 22 weeks by the time I got the scan because of me coming back down. So a little bit late. Um, but, mm. yeah, I think I got the all clear then, which was like, oh, my God, I've just travelled all the way down and I'm clear. But we were happy yeah. to be in Melbourne anyway, so it was good. Yeah. Um, so that was then I was put down as low risk. So everything mm. was going sweet. Everything was going fine. I hit my due date, no baby, obviously. Um, and then 40, 40 plus four days, um, my waters broke and I lost my mucus plug. Um, mm. So I was like, oh, my God, it's here. I'm, I'm in labor. Whew, okay, cool. And my heart rate, like I saw the mucus plug and I was like, wow, this thing is massive, firstly. Um, mm. So it was like a huge eye opener for me. Um, but yeah, then nothing happened. So I went to bed that night. I had some mild period cramping and then nothing. I was like, it's on, it's on. I waited mm. three days. So I I was intent on having a completely natural birth and like yeah. no intervention. Well, I mean, all birth is natural, but um, sorry. Without intervention. Without inter- intervention. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I was withheld a little bit of information from my doctor. Um, mm. which was a little bit naughty, but I was like, I'm. I know I'm not going to have sex. I'm not going to go in water. I'm not going to go in a pool. I'm just going to wait yeah. for it to naturally happen. And then it got to 72 hours and I had a booked in an appointment. And, um, yeah, they were – they. I was like, look, I'm going to be honest, I think my waters are broken. And they did the swab and they were like, yeah, they have. You're getting induced now. And I was mm-hmm. like, whoa, whoa, what? Okay. So, yeah. yeah, I got induced. I mean, I went to the hospital that morning at 10 and by 2 o'clock the, um, I had the cannula in and the um, – I was getting the injured. hormone drip, yeah. yeah, and it's so people don't realize sometimes when your waters break, you may not actually go into labor straight away. And there is a statistic, and I think I posted it the other week on my Instagram about the waters breaking. If your waters break, so there's a seventy percent chance of spontaneous labor within the first twenty four hours. And of those women who don't labor in that time, 50% will labor by 48 hours. So overall that's saying 85% of women will labor by 48 hours. But in your case, you know, your water's broke. You're like, yep, here we go. But nothing happened. And the reason why the hospital staff recommended induction was because the amniotic sac is that barrier around the baby so if the waters are gone that barrier is gone and there's the increased risk of infection to your baby yeah however long your waters are broken for the increased risk it increases further so that's the reason why 
the medical system recommends induction, um, usually after 24 hours or so. Uh, but yeah. Claire, you you advocated for yourself and you did what was like what you wanted to do. So there's nothing wrong with that. Your I always say to women, we can give you all the information and everything, but you have to make the decision because you're in the center of your care and that's all that matters. Yeah. No, and that's I, I love that. That's a really nice way of looking at it. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm like, oopsie, maybe I shouldn't share this information. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, um, mm. yeah, I was really happy and the hospital staff was incredible like the midwives were amazing they were like look I know this isn't ideal but we can make your everything else ideal for you Mm. and we're going to do everything in our power to make this the best birth for you um so they were just um, like I came into the birth room and I had no lights on they would put on the essential oils themselves they set up all that um they got me the birth ball out Uh, I couldn't have the pool obviously because um my waters had broken so risk of infection um but I was cool with that I was like I don't even really envision myself with the pool I just want to move that was my thing I just want to be able to move um and yeah, so they were awesome. Like I can't mm. fault the staff at all. They were incredible. So yeah. <laughs> did you did you have to like dig deep a little bit to change your mindset about being induced? Because you know I see it a lot with this negative association with being induced. Um, because we hear negative stories, we don't always hear these positive experiences. Yeah. And for you being like, I wanted as least intervention as I could to then quickly being put in the situation of, okay, we want you to be induced now. Did you, what did, what work did you have to do mentally to get into that positive place? So fortunately I'm pretty good at like adapting with change. I mean, maybe Hmm. all my travels and stuff helps that. I don't know. (laughs) I've never lived somewhere permanently. I don't know. Well, (laughs) you, what we were supposed to do this recording at what? 10 a.m. And then you're like, oh, sorry, trailer. Like we've got to move the trailer. (laughs) Can we do a bit later? I was like, of course, go move the caravan. (laughs) That's fine. Exactly. So change, I'm I'm used to change. Um, So I was actually pretty cool. Like I dealt with it really well. I was like, initially gutted and then my husband because of the hypnobirthing course he was like we can advocate Clara we can leave now like let's leave and I was like no look like it has been 72 hours and I knew those statistics that you just read out so I was Mm. like yeah let's do it like I'm happy I'm good and fortunately enough I was really in the lead up to my birth I watched positive inductions as well um, yeah. So I only watched a couple because I was more down the like, you know, holistic birth yeah. route, but I did watch yeah. a couple of um, positive induction births and they were awesome. And I was just like, you know what, I can still have the way that I want, but mm-hmm. just a couple of different things. And yeah, and you know what, it ended up exactly how I wanted. Amazing. That's exactly what I wanted you to say, because I was like, I know how hard it can be for women um, and to even find like positive experiences. Yeah. So yeah, I'm very grateful that, you know, you're here sharing your story and that even you advocated for yourself, you did all those steps before. So then when it came to the time of, you know, being induced, you're like, I've actually done my like role here. I've advocated for myself. I feel really good about my decision. And now I'm just going to focus mentally on what I can control and get on with it. And exactly. that's what I always say to women, like, 
honestly, with labour and birth, and you would know this, Claire, like the mindset and the breath is honestly the two most important things. Yeah, it's 100%. And that's what it kept me going. Like I didn't have – so other than the in drip um, Mm. to bring on induction, I had no other intervention at all. Didn't even use gas and air. Like Mm. it was relatively quick, so – the induction started at um, 2 p.m. and then I had birthed Bo by 11.30 p.m. Mm. So, and I think active labour was only two hours. So it was yeah. like, I'm obviously I was labouring that whole time. I find that mm. term active labour weird. But yeah, <laughs> I know. And everyone's like, what's the definition of labour? I'm like, we have such a different definition yeah. of labour compared to like the everyday person. I know. When I heard that, I was like, what? Okay, yeah, cool. I'm, oh. Whatever whatever it is, it was relatively quick. And the only thing that I needed was because I had a bit of back pain. So I was, um, Bo was posterior, but then fortunately mm. enough, he, he switched. Um, so they gave me some sterile water injections, which yeah. were... How'd you find them? I loved them. I, I oh. absolutely loved them. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, they're like, oh, you got them. And I'm like, yeah, I did, but... They were, it was literally, so after I got them, I, yeah. I was birthing Bo. I was just yeah. like, it was, it just helped me so much because mm. I started to get the shakes. Um, my back pain was starting to like affect my ability to hold my, like to consciously focus on breath, which is yeah. what I was able to do the whole labor. Um, mm. so they popped them in. I was like, I, I asked the uh, midwife, I was like, are you sure I'm still in labor? Like, the contractions have like they're not painful like what's what's happened and she was like laughing she was like honey you're in labor yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) but it's honestly like the posterior babies because for people that are listening they're like what's posterior mean if you think the baby's spine is on the mum's spine so not in the optimal position for birth still can birth the baby op um but we'd like them to be more anterior and the lower they get down in the pelvis, the more pressure they put on that bone. And really women with posterior babies know this in labours because the back pain is so significant that it pretty much takes over from anything else. And I always recommend women the sterile water injections and they're like, no, I've heard, you know, they sting so much. And yes, they do sting, but then they've gotten it. Yeah. But when you're when you're already in like going through what you're going through with that intense feeling, totally. they're like they're like not, you know. I've never I've actually had a sterile water injection in my arm when I learnt how to give them in yep. like uni, but I've never like gone through labour. But honestly, these women are like, oh mon, why didn't I do that early? And I was like, well, yep. I told you, uh, but you didn't want to do it. So that's amazing. I'm so glad that it was helpful. Yeah, super helpful. And they did it at the peak of my contraction. Yeah. Um, so and there was two nurses, so I had four injections. Um, mm. so one on each side and they just jabbed and then it was just like instant and I was like laughing, like, guys, I'm not in labor. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It's pretty much tricks the um like I don't like to say the word pain, but the pain receptors in our body to then focus on the stinging from the water injections rather than like the feeling associated with the back pain. Yeah. It's great. Like a tens machine almost. Um, yeah. But that's so amazing. Um, 
really incredible and I'm so glad that you had that empowering and magical birthing experience regardless of, you know, it didn't, I always say women go in having this expectation on the way they want their birth to go and often they have such a set expectation that if it deviates, that's when they are so deflated. Um, So really great to hear that you adapted to that and could overcome that to have a really positive, empowering induction. Yeah. Well, it was good. I loved it. So I have, (laughs) I mean, I'm like all for it now. (laughs) Yeah. And then I guess your current pregnancy, do you want to explain sort of where you're at with that now? So you've hit the road again, but you were based in Melbourne for a little bit after having Bo. I think you still traveled around in your camper van. Is that correct? Yeah. So Bo was back on the road when he was above so he would have been five months so mm-hmm. we actually did um a van house swap so we lived in Queensland for when he was little when I was just adjusting to becoming a mum um we took their house they took our van which was awesome um but then when he was about five months we hit the road full time again um so yeah our next baby was conceived in the van as well um <laughs> so you know what they say when the van goes rocking, don't come knocking. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, honestly, van life, like you get pregnant because you're mm. relaxed, you're chilled, you're enjoying life. Like it's just like, you know, it's just no stress. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah so uh, this baby that I'm currently pregnant with was conceived in a van. Um, but then we had to stop in Melbourne for a few months, like over Christmas and stuff, firstly because it's impossible to get um, caravan parks anywhere, but also we just mm. needed to – Um, stock up on some cash Um, so we stopped over Christmas for a few months so we're just back on the road in the last few months now full time Um, so yeah I'm 32 weeks now and we've just hit the Sunshine Coast Um, so we're gonna have the baby here. (laughs) Amazing and what sort of things did have you as like a family had to think about to get to the Sunshine Coast at 33 weeks pregnant. Like, did you have to sort of plan anything before you hit the road or how has it worked for you? So yes and no. Like um, in regards to like, so we've upgraded, we've upgraded to a caravan, which was a huge thing. So we were in a van before. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was nice van. Like it's not, (laughs) we we did it ourselves. We built it all out. And we loved our van, but it was just too small. So now we've upgraded to a caravan, and which we're super happy with. Um, yeah. So that was a big thing that we did. Um, and in regards to planning, like I just got a GP in um, Melbourne. Same she, sort of thing. Same sort of thing. So she was just mm. doing everything up until about 20 weeks. So she just gave me my scans. She did like blood work. And then I sort of researched up in the sunshine because I was like, where do we want to give birth? And we're like, mm. somewhere funny. Um, you know, it's winter, baby. We want to be, we want to be warm. Um, yeah. So we were like, Sunshine Coast sounds good. Let's go to Sunshine Coast for the birth. So um, <laughs> I just researched midwives in Sunshine Coast um, yeah. and I found an incredible midwife. So I actually hired a private midwife this time. So a little bit different Amazing. to last time. Um, and yeah, we're going to have a home birth. In the caravan? <laughs> I know. Everyone's like, in the caravan? Um, no. Well, hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Second baby. 
Um, <laughs> we have a booked an Airbnb from 39 weeks. So um, for six weeks. So I, ideally it will be an Airbnb birth instead of a home birth or a caravan mm. birth. So just hopefully yeah. I don't pop before 39 weeks. And don't worry, don't think about the plan B yet because it's not going to happen. You're going to get that home birth. My midwife is like, if it's um, if you go before 39 weeks, you're birthing at my house. I was like, okay, sweet. Honestly, caravan would be perfect anyway. You don't need that much space to birth the baby. It will be it. It would be amazing. How? Be what a, a story. A little awkward with the grey nomads next door, like you know the push phase. <laughs> Oh, I can't. That would it would be very memorable. But then, what? How do you? Obviously, this time hitting the road, you've got a little toddler in bow. So, what sort of things did you have to consider for taking him with you? I mean, it's such an amazing place for a child to grow up. Like, what incredible memories that he is going to have for life. And he looks like a little go getter, being on the road all the time. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> but like for parents that are sort of potentially listening being like wow this sounds amazing what sort what did you have to consider for Bo? honestly like not much I think being on the road um has like really not changed my opinion of motherhood but I think it's Mm. it's developed my opinion of motherhood because Mm. you just realize how little kids actually need like I think being in a house you get attached to so many things yeah um and just being on the road you just realize that all they they just need you and Mm. like food (laughs) and that's basically it (laughs) so we have like a little toy thing for him um we don't we literally have not much else like he's got everything outdoors to play with you know he's so active like I've actually just bought a tablet for him because um I'm like, you need some quiet time occasionally because he just does not stop. <laughs> Actually, and you need some quiet time too. <laughs> I'm like, I need you to have some quiet time. I'm freaking exhausted. Yeah, yeah. What's tablet? I never thought I'd be a tablet mom, but now I'm like, I love a tablet. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but that's so, that's so amazing. And I think, you know, I... I've followed you on Instagram for a while. So I've seen him out playing with like, I think he chases the kangaroos. Is that right? He loves yeah, the kangaroos. That's not ideal. <laughs> but he's always on the go, always out exploring. And you guys are just doing such an incredible job with him and the way that you're adapting to like this version of motherhood. It's it's amazing. And one of the other reasons, which I'm going to touch on now, is why I really wanted to get you on the podcast, Claire, was because You've already sort of spoken about it, but you have such trust in your own body's ability to carry and nurture and nourish this baby. And I think you shared the other week what you were doing with your glucose tolerance test because you were on the road. Usually we would offer routinely women a glucose tolerance test in pregnancy between 26 to 28 weeks. And I think you were on the road by this point. How did you? what did you do instead? So I just did, um, so like, you know, the little diabetic, the acu, acu, yeah, a little glucometer. Yeah, exactly. So I just yeah. got one of those instead. And for three days running, I just took my fasting glucose in the morning after 12 hours fast. And then, um, two hours after food, um, preceding that. Um, and yeah, so that's what I did instead of the 
the glucose tolerance test, the, the delicious mm. drink that <laughs> everybody <laughs> has. Um, yeah. As, as long as, as well as doing my blood work as well. Um, mm. So yeah, that's what I did for my um, glucose tolerance test. And I mean, I was way, way below all the parameters. So I was really mm. happy and content that I didn't have gestational diabetes and everything looked really good for from that side of things for me I just thought it was really amazing once again because people wouldn't even think that they could potentially do that if they hit the road and sometimes I feel like we think that we're so bound to the hospital um, to tell us that everything's okay and I know that a lot of women need that someone to say like everything's absolutely fine but I think it's also incredible that you're sharing your journey that's not bound by hospital walls and hospital policies and you're advocating and believing in your own ability to grow this baby Mm -hmm. so it's amazing for me I find it really amazing oh thank you no I mean and that's like it is because it is hard to trust your body and I think Mm. it's well just comparing first pregnancy to second pregnancy so like being pregnant with Bo especially after two miscarriages Mm. I did have a little bit of mistrust of my body because Mm. I was like how how could I miscarry like you know of course I know the statistics I know how incredibly common it is I know all that but it's still just gut-wrenching when it happens and you just like why and how so you kind of learn to have a little bit distrust um so that was a little bit of something to navigate towards as well because I was like shit like I didn't realize I could ever mistrust my body but now Mm. it's second pregnancy now that I've gone through a pregnancy I've birthed a baby I've become a mother already I'm just so so much more empowered and confident in my body's own ability and just how incredible we are as women to be able to create life, to sustain life and bring life into the world. I just like, I mean, it's, we're not sick, you know, when, when we're pregnant, we're not sick. We're literally pregnant. Mm. We're like the most amazing creation ability in that stage. And I, I just think that it's such a beautiful time to be nourishing and nurturing rather than thinking, oh shit, I need to be bound here. I need to stop doing this, yeah. stop doing that. We don't see it that often. That's why I was like, I think it's a great perspective on pregnancy, what you're sharing. And um, because pregnancy is so normal yeah, <laughs> and we love to sometimes make it not so normal. I know there's certain high risk pregnancies and all that. I'm totally of understanding yeah. of that, but um often women don't have that trust in their own body to grow this baby just because we constantly hear stories from other people we hear stories from hospital staff it's really really challenging and often I wish that everyone could hear midwives conversations behind closed doors because there's a lot of things that we talk about with what we would all do if we're pregnant just because we see the highs and lows of our hospital system so no I think it's (laughs) incredible yeah well it's funny Um, even like when we got up here I was like got up because I've only just met my midwife so 32 (laughs) weeks I've literally just met my I've had my first checks and I came in there and um the checks were like you know she went through the blood work she's been doing blood work with me obviously but um Mm. she just did my um blood pressure and all that and you know all the feeling the baby and what you guys do in your checks Um, and she was like yep cool and I'm like that's it it. sweet like even I was sort of like 
yeah, that's it. Because it's a baby growing and, and she's seen it 5 million times before and everything's good. <laughs> like it's yeah. kind of like you expect like a bit more. You're like, oh, is, is there more? Like, <laughs> Well, we don't do anything. You guys do it all. Yeah. <laughs> you guys literally do it all and we're just like, yeah, we'll measure your t- tummy, we'll listen to the baby's heartbeat and send you on the way. That's yeah. it. Like, Women that come into the hospital, their appointments are like 20 minutes long. Yeah. It's nothing. It's no. so short. <laughs> And because you're like, you're good, honey, like you're good. And you kind of, yeah. like, oh, I'm sweet. Yeah. And when everything's so low risk, like we love to find a way to somehow not keep it normal and low risk. So yeah. it really, yeah, I absolutely love your perspective on it. Um, My next question to you, Claire, is, you know, you're going for, you're striving for hopefully not a caravan birth, a home birth, <laughs> but is there things that you've learned from the last even labor and birth or postpartum period that you think you're going to take with you for this labor and birth or welcoming your baby in that postpartum period? I think not necessarily because I did so much prep for the first birth that I feel like, mm. again, like I, I actually did all that side of things really well. Like with my first, with Bo, I did the 40 days um of rest afterwards I lived at mum's I mm-hmm. batch cooked I did all that sort of stuff that really helped me recover and um which I think was vital and important um I yeah so I feel like I'm I'm pretty well prepped on that side of things like mum will be flying up here which was really nice to stay with us yeah. and me so she can help with cooking which mm-hmm. is my main thing as long as I get fed I'm happy <laughs> um <laughs> So she'll help with the cooking and obviously to take care of Bo as well. Mm. Um, I think the main thing that I struggled with with the first pregnancy was I was recovery was incredible. Um, I was super fortunate that I only had a it, I, I had a graze like I wasn't even a tear like I was super mm. good down there. Everything was beautiful. Like I felt like it was back to normal. Besides, obviously, yeah. the within a week. Um, mm. but I struggled with breastfeeding. Um, so I think that would be something I think that I've just learned. I, I didn't realize how tough breastfeeding can be and yeah. that was intense. Um, so I, I didn't like that about my postpartum period just because I was struggling so much. Um, mm. and it, it did affect my mental health because again I, I that distrust of my body started to come in because I always just thought like yeah you're, you're gonna be able to do it yeah and pop it on mm. and baby will suck and then I'm gonna be breastfeeding don't get me wrong I breastfed I only just stopped breastfeeding so mm. I breastfed for two years so everything went beautifully in the end but it took me a lot of mental like grit and determination and finding out that to figure out what the hell was wrong but he didn't latch um so I think it took a good few days I had to express Mm -hmm. I had to set my alarm on my clock every two hours and express colostrum I had bleeding nipples cracked nipples I had to wear a nipple shield like Mm -hmm. feeds would take three hours because the nipple shield you know he couldn't suck off yeah yeah so yeah. it was intense um, and that was, I think, my biggest struggle postpartum. So learning mm. from that, I think, is more just not learning but just knowing that it can be tough in that side of things mm. is a big yeah. thing for me, I think. So that would be taking into the next pregnancy. 
Yeah, and how many, like there's so many other women that feel that exact same and I mean I see it all the time looking after mums in those early days postpartum because we just, like I, we just don't think that we have to educate ourselves as much on yeah. the breastfeeding and it's it's tough. It is really tough because there's two people, I always say there's two people that have to come to the party. You're learning, you're recovering from the birth, yeah. you're sleep deprived, all of that. You've never done this before. And then you've got this little baby that also has to come to the party and do their job. And, you know, that one baby will get on and breastfeed perfectly and yeah. that's it. But the other nine, like the other nine out of ten will just do exactly what all of them do. They fuss around, it takes them days and days and days to establish the breastfeeding. It takes weeks. Yeah. But as women, we're so it's it's so mentally taxing because we put this pressure on that that person down the street's doing it. So exactly. why can't I? Yeah. And it's also like I just feel like as a woman, I'm like, we should be able to birth babies and feed them. Like, it's just mm. like, that's what my body's designed for. Like, why couldn't? And then that's when I started being like, what's wrong with my body? Like, why can't I feed my baby? And I remember like, cause I gave birth at 1130 PM and then I didn't, I didn't know how often, like, I didn't know when you're supposed to breastfeed. Like I had no freaking idea. And it's the last thing I thought of when my nurse left, she's like, okay, cool. So I was in bed by like, what, probably 3am or something. And then I didn't, I didn't feed him at all. Like I didn't know. So we were just sleeping. So I slept, he slept. And then the nurse came Mm -hmm. in at eight and she was like, so how many feeds have you done? I'm like, none. And she was like, what? And I was like, and you, my heart just sunk. And I was like, what am I supposed mm. to do? Like, I had no freaking idea. And like, obviously, yeah. looking back to it, you're like, of course, you need a feeding. But like, how am I supposed? To, I did. I just like, how are you supposed to know? Well, that's the thing. People don't like unless you've been told it, and you know the information. It's not that easily accessible all yeah. the time. So, lots of women feel really hard on themselves, and I mean you can see why women, I don't like to say give up, but oh, yeah. lose that determination to feed because it is, it's really hard, it especially is. if the baby's not attaching straight away. You're trying to still stimulate your supply so you're expressing and then maybe you have to use a nipple shield and all those things. It's so easy to go, hang on, like, is it worth me doing this? I can yeah. just substitute, you know, give them formula, all of that, which that's fine if that's what you want to do. But you can see how easily women can just go like, no, I can't do this. Like this is too tough because it takes time. And that's why like I think has really redefined my thought process about all Mm. women Um, is just like once becoming – it's funny because before becoming a mum and before going through all this, like you see it firsthand but I – Mm-hmm. I just heard stories and you kind of judge women. You're like, oh, she did it that way. Oh, she did it that way. And mm-hmm. now once I've gone through everything, there is zero judgment. Like if someone yeah. wants to have a cesarean because it's easier, if they want to do this because it's easier, if they want to form it, what, honestly, whatever is easiest for you, like I'm like, good for you, honey. Like, because yeah. it's just like, it is not easy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just like, honestly, whatever works for you and as a family, I think is the best way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I always say to people, like, people can tell you 
all different things like you would know people always have an opinion on everything that we do in life whether that's with children or with just our work life or what we do day to day or people probably judge you for traveling whilst pregnant and doing all those things Um, I was going to say we got it all the time (laughs) yeah and I was going to ask you that question have you faced any backlash from traveling and being pregnant and wanting to do all the things that you're doing but I'm going to finish what I was saying first that honestly all that's important is that you're healthy and happy and your baby's healthy and happy and your family is healthy and happy. Like really everyone can form an opinion on anything and everything. But when it comes to postpartum and looking after yourself, making sure that you are mentally happy and well and healing is so much more important in whatever, you way, whatever way you want to feed your baby feed your baby that way agreed I 100% agree so it's just literally like I think so there that's the biggest learning from like that I would take into this one is like whatever happens Mm. is you know just obviously I will try and I will do that and but it's kind Mm. of like it's some things are not meant to be in that situation and you shouldn't should do what makes you happy (laughs) yeah yeah you're gonna have to learn again how to feed a little newborn and not a toddler I know that's what I'm like and then I have my toddler watch my newborn feed (laughs) it's exciting it's so exciting my toddler's very much boob obsessed so um yeah it's going to be really interesting slash wow you're gonna (laughs) very scary (laughs) you're gonna take it in your stride and it's all gonna be fine exactly at the end of the day it will work out that's it you're going with the flow you've already literally lived all across Australia you're living your best life I love it but I did just want to follow up on that question of do you feel like you've got some negativity that's come your way because of the lifestyle that you now adapt definitely I wouldn't say it's more I wouldn't say it's negativity but it's more judgment Mm. I would say opinion yeah Yeah. opinions and it and that's completely valid because you know people like their security people like their um four walls Mm. people like routine routine and and we're living completely opposite to that you know we've it's funny because like in Dubai I worked like a machine so I was doing like 13 plus clients per day for 10 years running like I was I got sick I was exhausted and I was living that life of like for the money, like, yeah, we traveled loads and we, we experienced loads and all that sort of mm. stuff. But it was just a completely different mind frame. Whereas now we've our salary is like, you know, so, so low in comparison to what we were earning. Um, mm. And we're just living very, very different in every aspect. Um, and it's just like, we're just so much happier. <laughs> and it's, and ultimately at the end of the day that's what me and my husband say we're like are we happy yeah we're happy mm-hmm. and and that's all that matters to us um so the judgments they do affect me sometimes because I get a bit like upset I, or like yeah. I'm like you know why don't people understand but my husband's always like he's really good at framing it and he's really good at like being like you know they're just they don't know what they don't know so you can never just mm-hmm. be upset from what they're saying and I think that's it. It's just like, yeah, I think we've probably, I would say, lost some friends as well. Not lost, but it's like they think we're a bit odd. Um, and we're like, we're not we're not going to conform to your lifestyle either. So it's kind of like it's, yeah. distanced is more the word. Mm. So mm. then we've made 
other amazing, amazing, amazing people on the road that will be lifelong friends. So it's, yeah, it's just an interesting. Yeah. And they're probably the exact same as like you guys. You guys are literally like living though. Yeah. Like this is why you're doing what you're doing and exactly what you said, you're happy. But some of the judgment, it's probably comes with a bit of jealousy too that you are out living your best life. And that's the thing is like, yeah, you're going to lose money. You're going to lose all that sort of stuff. Like you're going to have pay cut, but like you gain so much other stuff. And that's what I think is because everyone's like, how do you do it? And you're like, you just do it. <laughs> like there is no secret like source about it. Like if you want it enough, you do it. And that's, mm. and we wanted enough. Like we just, it, we genuinely get a bit bored in house life. So yeah, this is what we want. And we want to raise our kids together um, as well, mm. like as a support. So that's a big thing for us. Again, it's not everybody else's value. So I don't want to say that everybody should be doing that, but it's mm. what is important to us. So yeah. Yeah. I love that. And do you guys book as you go or do you have a set like location I know you're trying to get to the well you're in the sunshine coast now but do you book the holiday parks as you go or how do you work out where your next stop is like so next week we have we don't know where we're going where we are so we book one week one week one week um yeah but yeah the sunshine coast generally because of the birth we're pretty planned in this section so yeah. up until so baby's due August 12th um which will probably be when hopefully <laughs> August 20th or so. Um, <laughs> Touch wood. <laughs> Touching the wood. I know. Um, so, and then we, we've got an Airbnb for six weeks. So we might mm. just be in the Airbnb for one week. Who knows? Um, mm. But yeah. we'll be back in our van. So we actually have no plans once the baby's born. So after that Airbnb, we have nowhere booked. So we're just going to see what, what, how I am. If I'm like, yeah, I'm not recovered and well, like I'm having problems, yeah. then we'll just book into somewhere else for another month afterwards and just take it by that. I love that so much. I, I need a page out of your book to teach <laughs> me how to do all these things because, yeah, I struggle with change, but it's something that I'm trying to learn to be better at. But I know a lot of parents might feel a similar way of being like, how the heck am I ever going to travel with a child? Yeah. And I just wanted to ask you for anyone listening, being like, oh my gosh, this woman is amazing. She gets out and lives her life each day. What are some of your tips for, you know, first time parents that might be going away, even if it's like an interstate holiday or a three hour drive away or overseas, what are your probably like top three tips to take your child with you so I think firstly and this is what we always say to people when we get a bit of judgment they're like how do you do it like it's so tough like how do you live that life um and I'm like you know what it's tough anywhere like it's tough mm. in a house it's tough it's literally tough <laughs> so I'm yeah. never gonna sugarcoat motherhood like it is sleepless nights it's like a messy place it's just a shit show um, and it's a shit show in a house or is a shit show on holiday. I'd rather have a shit show with a nice view than a shit show <laughs> with, uh, you know, you're just like upset about a junky house. Yeah. So that's how I see that side of things. Um, mm -hmm. and then I think like, so also we've traveled a lot with Bo as well. So we went to Bali last year. So he would have been like 
I don't know, just before one, we, we went to Bali. We were in Thailand for a month and we did Bali for five months. So we were like overseas for a long time as well, um, doing long haul flights and everything. And I think it it's just like you got to, as I said, it's just going to be tough anywhere. <laughs> I think that's my only advice, really. It's that's it. Like, that's all that you need. You it's, know, a, it's an outlook, though, on it, yeah. which is a reassuring thing. Exactly. Like it's not easy for any mum. And I think mm. one that thinks that it is, is like, you know, they're putting false posts up on Instagram or something because it is tough. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, it's just like, if you want it, like, and that's the thing, some people don't, and that's fair enough. Like it's too mm. much um, stress for them. Um, and I think if it, if the stress of traveling outweighs the joy of it, then don't. But I think me and my husband are travelers at heart. So I think, mm that joy of traveling is always worth it for us absolutely love it so much here I am sitting in the I was saying same room that I've grown up in oh, for like no. the last how many years but hey I've got my puppy so and I bought a new car this week too oh. so it actually is better for camping so maybe I'll hit the road who knows do it and that's the thing like you know what I I envy that like lifestyle as well like I've always been my parents divorced when I was little and we then I did one week with my mom one week with my dad mm. so I think maybe that's where that that happened like I've never had stability like mm. of four walls type thing I've never had that stability and mm. so I envy that like just being able to be like I've got a house that I've like you know this is where I've still got my like childhood clothes or like my childhood mm. I don't have any of that so I think that's really beautiful yeah I'm very grateful yeah but Claire, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me. And thank goodness you're out of Melbourne because I'm sitting here looking at grey skies oh, and no. it's about to pour down rain and you're sitting there with the door open in your car because you're like, it's too hot here. <laughs> um, so you've definitely made the right decision. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing your travel tips, but also just highlighting how amazing the woman's body is and how you know if you have trust in your own body's ability to carry a baby grow a baby and birth a baby like you've just highlighted how strong the mind is um so thank you so much for sharing that positive outlook oh thank you that's very sweet for you to say thank you my pleasure well get back to the caravan (laughs) all right thanks so much claire cheers thank you bye 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 thank you for listening to today's episode of midi Your support means the absolute world to me. So if you loved this episode and want to stay up to date with the latest interviews and midwifery education, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For further information about this episode, please check the show notes below. If you wish to share your pregnancy and motherhood experience, you can get in touch with me by emailing hello at themidisociety.com.au and find us on Instagram at at themidisociety or at Monique underscore Maitland. I cannot wait for you to join me next week. I'll be talking all things flap chat. Was that my hands or my flaps? I'll let you decide. In the meantime, I hope you have an amazing week. And remember, you're doing the best you can. Mm